Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years' experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Think of a time when you were jealous. I mean really jealous. Now if that word seems too strong, how about envy? A time when you wanted something that someone else had. Now you may have to go all the way back to your childhood, but everyone has some time at some place where they wanted something that someone else had. And on the flip side, there are times when we've had something that someone else wants. My mom was just joking, but she had this funny saying that she would use every now and then, like when she saw someone in a, in a really shiny new car or something that she really enjoyed. She would say, I wish I had that, and he or she had a feather. We'd both be tickled. I know, corny, but kind of funny. When I was a kid, about nine or ten years old, I was the envy of the neighborhood. Seriously, me. It's one of maybe one or two times that I've ever been able to say that I was one of the popular kids. You see, I had acquired the Star Wars action figure of Yoda. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes. Yoda was the Jedi Master introduced in The Empire Strikes Back. That's the second of the original trilogy of Star Wars movies. And he was in such high demand, that action figure, that you simply couldn't find them anywhere. Well, somehow my mom or dad stumbled upon one being placed on the shelf at just the right time in some store. With that one small action figure, suddenly people wanted me to come over and play Star Wars all the time. But there have been some other times when I was on the other end, when I wanted something that someone else had. You see, I grew up in a middle to lower middle class family. I never missed a meal, never went without clothes to wear, so don't feel sorry for me in any way. But I never really had the latest in fashions either. Now think about fashions of the 1980s, my most formative years. I know, maybe it causes some scary thoughts for you. But listen to these things that I really wanted. 
members-only zip-up jackets. Remember those? They were the rage. Seems like everybody had one. Ocean Pacific t-shirts. It's even funnier when you think about we wanted those here in the heartland of the country in Kansas. Polo golf shirts. Now I had some shirts that had a little design in the upper left hand corner on the chest that kind of looked like a polo player, but they were not Ralph Lauren. Official Levi's stonewashed jeans. I don't know what it was about those jeans that they you know, threw into a washer or dryer or whatever it was with rocks and let it beat the, beat the clothes to death before you even picked them up off the rack, but we all wanted them. And then finally, and this is probably the big one, do you remember Coca-Cola shirts? These were actually kind of nice shirts, kind of dressy, but they had a Coca-Cola symbol across the middle of them somewhere. Once upon a time, I think I had three or four of those in my closet at the same time. Like I said, I had all of those things, every one of them. The difference was they came off the clearance rack, meaning that they were still cool, but the trend was actually about to end. So I was in style for at least a few months. But then the next thing came out, and my friends would have those, and I wouldn't quite get those things yet. I remember I envied the guys that I played baseball with. Those were my best friends, and they always seemed to have those clothes. They had the trends that were happening, not as they were ending. I don't think there's any coincidence that their parents were doctors, lawyers, store owners. You get the idea. My parents were factory workers. They worked hard for their money. And I think I understood it a little bit back then, but probably not as much as I should have, certainly not as much as I do now. My parents simply couldn't afford those kinds of things when they were new on the rack with all the new clothing and other things that were out for the latest in styles. But I know now that my parents did the absolute best that they could. They provided absolutely the best that they could. And now, I'm really, really proud of that upbringing. And because of that time in my life, I learned a very, very important lesson. The lesson that you don't have to have the latest and greatest to be happy. Because I was happy. And I did get those things, just a little later than everybody else. And i got to tell you that that lesson, that lesson of not needing to have the latest and greatest, well, that lesson has served me really, really well over the years. Oh, don't get me wrong, I still want things from time to time, although now mostly they're technology-related items. But I'm much more content with what I have. Clothes that fit and that are comfy are way more important to me than the brand that's on them these days. You take a look at my closet, you're going to see a lot of stuff from Walmart, Costco, and Sam's Club. And I love them. I'm not really as jealous of other people as I was when I was growing up. But jealousy does permeate our society, doesn't it? In fact, isn't that kind of what the advertising industry is practically built on? The concept that bigger, better, newer, stronger, more powerful. That's what we should have. The message is pretty clear. Be on top. Be number one. Have the latest and greatest. 
Well, our scripture in this episode is one about jealousy and how it can change people, sometimes in an instant. Now, prior to the events in our gospel reading in this episode, you have to understand what's been going on prior to it. Jesus has been baptized. He's been in the wilderness and was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He preached in the seaside town of Capernaum, which soon will become his home base for ministry. And he now has returned to the region around his hometown of Nazareth. He's been preaching in the area, and on this day, he's gone to the synagogue, where he's going to read from the scroll of Isaiah. And that's where we're going to pick up our reading, from Luke chapter 4. We'll start at verse 18 with Jesus reading from the Isaiah scroll, and we'll continue to verse 30. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Everyone was raving about Jesus. So impressed were they by the gracious words flowing from his lips. They said, This is Joseph's son, isn't it? Then Jesus said to them, Undoubtedly you will quote this saying to me, Doctor, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. He said, I assure you that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time when it didn't rain for three and a half years, and there was a great food shortage in the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. There were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger. They rose up and ran him out of town. They led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so that they could throw him over the cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. This scripture can be a little confusing, at least for me. The reaction from the people in the synagogue seems kind of mixed, way more so than the reaction Jesus will receive going forward in his ministry, at least most of the time. And it starts with a rather bold pronouncement, basically like this. Jesus says, All those things about a liberator you've read about in the scriptures, the talk of God's anointed, that's me. Jesus says, today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. And you heard their reaction. This is Joseph's son, isn't it? I think that question can be taken one of two ways. The first one's, well, that's just Joseph's boy, right? Who does he think he is talking to us like that? You see, they're jealous of the boldness with which he speaks and the way he proclaims himself. The boy they saw as nothing special growing up in their community to be a fulfillment of prophecy. The second reaction could be something like this. All right, 
Our Messiah is here. He's living among us. He's been here all the time. We're finally going to have Nazareth on the map. We're important now because the prophet to lead the Israelite revolt is from our town. I think we can relate to both of those reactions, right? On one hand, it's the group that says, what makes this person from our hometown more special than me? They're jealous of success or prestige. Or on the flip side, we're so proud of that person being from our hometown that we hang a sign telling people that this is the birthplace of someone or somebody grew up here. I grew up in Leavenworth, Kansas. If you go up K-7 and enter the town from that direction, at the Dwight D. Eisenhower Veterans Affairs Hospital and grounds there, you're going to see several signs. And one of the most prominent says that this is the hometown of Melissa Etheridge. Fantastic singer, star, someone many of you have heard about. Well, my sister and Melissa were friends in high school. It wasn't a big deal for her to come over to our house. She was known to us as Missy. And her dad, John, was my high school history and psychology teacher. Truth be told, I think I actually got one guitar lesson from Melissa Etheridge when I was like six or seven years old. I was pretty young, so obviously I didn't know what I was doing, and I have zero musical talent. But I guess I can at least say that. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Melissa's teaching that was bad. I think it was her student. Anyway, before Melissa Etheridge, I think probably the most famous person from my hometown of Leavenworth was probably a guy named Richard Sanders. You know who Richard Sanders is? He's the intrepid news reporter Les Nesman on WKRP in Cincinnati. Now, since those two, we've also added Wayne Simeon from KU basketball fame. But you get the idea. People are so proud, especially of Melissa Etheridge, that they hung a sign. And Jesus gets it, I think. I think he gets both reactions after making this proclamation. Some of the folks were probably aghast that he would make such a claim. The others were excited that this talented rabbi freshly starting to educate and, they hope, rally people, was from their hometown. You better believe it. They're ready to hang the sign. But Jesus sees the dissension among this group of people. He sees both the lack of motivation and the wrong motivation. So I think he already knows at this point that Nazareth is not going to be his home base for ministry. The full support of the people there, well, it just didn't exist. Even the folks who supported him didn't want to support him because he was the Messiah. Oh, they supported him, we can guess based on Jesus' response to them, because he was going to make them and their town famous. It kind of sounds like they wanted to ride on his coattails. And I take that from this passage because of their reaction to what he says next. You see, Jesus gives them some harsh words from Israel's history. He reminds them that the great prophet Elijah, amid a three-plus-year drought and famine, is sent not to a large group of people, but to a lonely widow and her son. One family not in the city center or the center of attention. He reminds them that Elijah's successor, Elisha, 
was sent not to heal Israelites, but a lone Syrian of skin disease. I think the ramifications of what Jesus said is clear to the people in the room. Jesus was sent, but he wasn't sent just for the people of Nazareth. He's not there to help them, or at least only them. Indeed, Jesus wasn't sent just for the Jewish people, though he definitely was showing them where they had gone wrong as part of his ministry. In short, the people of Nazareth weren't ready to share the blessing of having the Messiah in their midst. In a way, they wanted to keep Jesus to themselves, so they didn't get to have him either. They literally ran Jesus out of town rather than share him with the world. Stop to think about that for just a moment. They couldn't see the possibilities beyond their own city boundaries, beyond their own egos and self-interest. How foolish is that? How selfish is that? How jealous were they? Oh, but let's not be too harsh with them. Because we have to ask ourselves, do we share Jesus? Forget about city limits for a moment. Do we share Jesus beyond the bounds of our church buildings or our communities of faith? Do we talk openly about our faith in Jesus? I mean, outside of our Sunday school classes, our choir practices, and our youth group gatherings? Do we share how he loves us all? Do we talk openly about what he can do for others? I guess the big question is, are we, through our silence, keeping Jesus to ourselves, unwilling to share him with others? Unfortunately, I suspect in many ways we are. Now, like the people on the rah-rah Jesus side in the synagogue that day in Nazareth, we understand who Jesus is. But through our silence, we, in effect, keep him to ourselves. We inadvertently hold him back from others. Now, the good news is we don't run him out of town. We're not taking him to a cliff to throw him off. That's good. The bad news is we tend to lock him inside the church, behind doors, so he can't influence others. It's kind of ironic that the people in the synagogue that day that didn't believe him probably actually caused less harm than those who did believe in him. I pray that we don't do the same by withholding Jesus from others. See, I wholeheartedly believe that we live in a world that needs to hear about hope, The hope that comes because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They need to hear about a love so deep that Jesus was willing to die on the cross on our behalf. They need to hear about the joy that can be had year-round and regardless of circumstance by accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need to know about the peace of mind, of soul, of conscience that comes through a relationship with Jesus. And yes, they need to hear about salvation, eternal life. So let's all together, you and me, show that we understand who Jesus is, that we know why he came to live among us, that we know he died for us, that we believe he rose from the dead, and that he can provide a sense of peace to those in desperate need of it. In this coming week, in the weeks and months and years ahead, let's all believe those words from Christ. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. And 
Let's share that important truth with all the people we know and introduce Jesus to the people who have yet to understand that he came to release the prisoner from jail or from behind the bars we have put up in our own lives. Maybe from racism or from falling too far into debt or by abusing our bodies with drugs, alcohol, overeating, you name it. That Jesus came to recover sight for the blind. Now maybe that's miraculous recovery of vision, but also consider the wisdom to help us better understand our circumstances, to help us think clearly. That Jesus came to liberate the oppressed, to fight for justice for the marginalized in society, to show love for those who feel abandoned by society because they are in some way different from what society calls normal. And that Jesus came to proclaim that this year, yes, even this pandemic-riddled 2022, is a year of the Lord's favor. Amen. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.